Number one, don't marry the wrong person. Uh, number two, protect your assets. This choose Phi group, right? They kept preaching VT Sachs, VT Sachs, don't do individual stocks, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, man, you know what? It's really, you know, it's your, your risk, your risk tolerance, right? You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 238. Clark, what's going on? How's it going in your world? Dude, doing good. Just got out of a softball game, it, which like we play in a Central Park Softball League, but it was it was uh, canceled the last two years because of COVID. So finally, it started back up. I didn't know so you're a I, softball player. Eh, I'm not. Oh, <laughs> but it's fun to get out. Fun <laughs> nice. to play. Nice. It's yeah. good. Do you win? No, we had a double header and we lost them both. So that tells you how much of a softball player I am. Oh, geez. Let's <laughs> just stick to golf and tennis. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were talking last week, hot topic right now is, is the I-bonds. And so uh, we did a little, a little more research given that I've actually never invested in, in any I-bonds. Have you, Clark? No, I have not. And I think there's a reason for that, right? We were looking at historical rates in 2008 is the last time it was even maybe worth talking about. I got up to 5.6%. But from 2009 to 2021, it was, I mean, one, one, two, one and a half, three, two and a half. And now all of a sudden it's shooting up and we're at 9.62. Yeah, it's kind of got almost a, an inverse relationship with the market, you know. So interesting. But quick facts, they are taxable on the federal level, which was interesting, you know, as we were doing some research on these, the bond earns a fixed rate and an inflationary rate, which is why we're at 9.62. And it's why it's probably the highest it's been in, in over a decade, given that, you know, interest rates for a long time were near nothing. So you what you got a maximum of 10,000 per year that you can, that you yeah, can purchase per, per social. Per social, and and you can have one for kids. Um, you can't create a separate account for them. It looks like, but you can have one in their name. So if you doing, you know, ten, if you have fifty thousand dollars and you're sitting on cash, it's not a bad thought for an emergency fund, right? Ten for you, ten for a spouse, ten for three kids. You're at fifty real quick if you're if you're kind of just sitting on it, not knowing what to do. Yeah, and you can you can kind of you get penalized if you pull it out early, right? But you can. Yeah, so it's a thirty year life. Um, but you can pull it out at any time after, uh, and you get penalized if you pull it out before year five. So kind of five years is the safe zone. If you lose it out, if you pull it out before year five, you lose three months of interest. But I mean, not bad if you're going to sit there on it for two, three years, right? Pull it out. Yeah. You're going to pay taxes. Yeah. You're going to lose the three months. So you, maybe you net out six, 7%, right? If you hold it for a couple of years after the math is done. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more, treasurydirect.gov uh, is a great resource. It's also where you can buy these directly. Or, you know, I didn't know this. You can actually buy them through your tax return if you want to paper, you know, by mail. Old school. IRS still accepts things by mail. So if you yeah. wanted to. And the rate, there. the rate continues to change. So part of it is fixed and part of it's based on inflation. So as inflation keeps going up, probably here the next, what, at least year. Uh, that it sounds like that rate will be pretty similar. Just to give you an idea, May of 21 to October of 21, 
So about a year ago or less than a year ago, if you take that through October, this I-bonds rate was at 3.54%. Hmm. And then in November of 21 to April, it was 7 and now 9.6. So uh, that rate's good through the end of end of October here, starting May 1. Yeah, interesting. So anyway, this week he works in the military communications and has a net worth of $1.9 million. Side note, he does have a, a nice sweet car that he drives. And so uh, we get into that and kind of how he has gone on his journey. Great episode with him. Last week we had Keisha. She had a net worth of $5.9 She was a corporate executive that grew up poor and has made a few career changes along the way. So great episode today with Carlos. And uh, we'd love for you to leave a review on either iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform that you listen on. We appreciate those as we continue to grow the show. And without any further delay, let's get into the episode. Hey, hello, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm currently living in Stuttgart, Germany. I've been a satellite communication analyst now for the last 20 years or so and uh, enjoying life here in Europe. Currently got into investing in stocks, and this is a great place to be and a good time to invest. Yeah, totally. And we're going to get into a little bit about that and your story and some other good stuff as well. But first, what is your net worth today? Since I started tracking it today, we're currently sitting at $1.9 million. Awesome. And how is that broken up? So uh, I've got uh, $1.4 million in real estate. So that breaks down to five single family homes. They cash flow about 107000 a year. I purchased three foreclosures back in 2011 through uh, 2012. The property values doubled in roughly nine years. And as they, as they doubled in value... I would do cash out refis and buy additional properties. In the stock market right now, I've got 1.16 million. So that's the total combined equals the 1.9 million. Okay. So you said 1.6 in the market then? Yes. 1.6. I'm sorry. It's 1.16 and 1.9 in, um, so 1.4 real estate, right? Stocks are 1.1 and total overall is 1.9 million. Okay, so your your real estate equity. How much is in your real estate equity? Okay, so you're looking at. Let me uh, let me log in here real quick. Because you're so, saying 1.4 million is the total amount of value, correct? Yeah, I'm going to give you assets plus uh, or minus liabilities, and that'll simplify it for us. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so uh, okay, I'm in real estate is valued at 1.4 million. Total assets would be. 2.5 liabilities are basically the mortgages. Yep. So 679,000. So net worth um, assets minus liabilities equals about 1.9. Yes. So yes. The, the money and then no cash, no HSA. So basically the, the assets or the cash is bundled into the, um, into the assets. Uh, cash, 31,000 in ally. Okay. Or total, total cash is 31,000, 22,000 in in a savings account, gotcha, and nine thousand in a checking account. So that's all bundled up into the uh, the total network. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So the the money that you've got invested in the market is that in tax protected retirement accounts or in brokerage accounts? So the money that's in the market, basically, um, I contacted my CPA once. One of these stocks, like hit like one, I think it's a hit like 900,000, 900, a million at one time. Um, he basically said, hey, just you could take out 300 grand before you go to the next tax bracket. So I didn't I already tried the 401k thing. 
I know that there's a way where you can actually have a 401k and invest in stocks. But honestly, I like the liquidity of I want my money now. I can sell a bunch of stocks and I have the liquid if I need it. Right. I like that flexibility. I don't want to have to wait 10, 20 years to have access to that money. Right. So that's been my philosophy. So you have nothing invested in a tax protected account. All this money that's in the market is li- is liquid. You could essentially sell it all today and put it in your bank yes. account, correct? Right, right. With, you know, minus capital gains and all that. So totally. like I said, I, I've got my CPA on speed dial and um, basically I just, you know, hit him up. He'll advise me, counsel me, what have you. And yeah. then I'll make the best choice. My tax shelters have been the, uh, the houses. The yeah, yeah, yeah. So those tax breaks have helped me out significantly. Yeah, I want to get it because this is really unique, especially for for majority of millionaires. So I just want to paraphrase this all again. So we've got 1.4 million in in real estate value, and the equity in that's yes. worth about 900. You've got 100,000 cash flow, f- single family homes, no primary residence. Is that correct? No, I've actually uh, living in Germany. I rent. Out rent. There. Okay, perfect. Yes. And then in the in the market, you've got. 1.1-ish, and you've built that up mm-hmm. over how how long? So, I, I mean, I don't want to, like, scare you, but the last uh, two months. Whoa, was, no way! That's yeah, awesome! Yeah, so, That's crazy! So I, I got booted off of the uh, the Choose Fi group. They're like, no, you're trolling us. There's no way that, you you know, you can make 300000 500000 in a month, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it, it's, it's possible if you buy the right stock. So initially, uh, what I was looking at doing is uh, I did another cash out refi and I was going to buy another foreclosure. But as you notice, the prices skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. So then that's when I started to look at the stock market and everyone in the ChooseFi group was do the VT Sachs, right? So I did that. Everybody's like, yeah, you put a hundred grand in there. It's going to go, you know, that's when you see real returns. So I did. I made 3000 in one month. And then I started researching SPACs also and IPOs. So just by doing the research, I ended up uh, buying 500 shares of Quantum Scape, right? So I paid $45 a share. The next day it dropped, right? So I was like, oh, no, what have I done? I'm like 4000 in the hole. So then I started researching again and realized that they had a PR event coming up. So long story short, the stock shot up to about 120 bucks. I called the CPA and I sold it at, I think, 110 and 100 right? So I split it up. And uh, I made 37000 on that sale. I also bought COUV, a penny stock. I bought it in like at 15 cents. It went up to 45 cents. I had like 300,000 shares, something like that. So I met at 72000 on that, that trade. So I reinvested that. And that's how I was able to grow my portfolio so fast. So it was 100, 100 grand cash out of pocket and then another 100 grand from this investment. These two investments, right? Yeah. So what did it, what was the value a year ago? Do you remember? The value of? Of, of your market stock? holdings. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, initially, so when I bought, when I bought a quantum scape, like I said, it was 45. I had 500 shares. So I think I invested like, uh, let me, let me pull up the calculator real quick. It was about 30 something thousand. So 45 times 500, so 22,500, right? So when I sold total, I cleared $37,000 from that sale. And then the other, 
the other penny stock, I mean, I was surprised that I made more in the penny stock than the other stock, right? But it goes back to the multiplier, um, mm-hmm. your position. One of my mentors said a long time ago, hey, you realize the millions are in the pennies. So then it clicked. It's like, hmm, okay. So if I buy a million shares, right, and every penny that this thing goes up, that equates to, you know, $10,000. So anyway, the COUV stock, uh, it's up to like 85 cents right now. But I was also using margin, right? So I had a few margin calls. It's like, all right, well, I've got to pay this this call and then go from there. So that's that's what really pushed me to sell some of the stocks, mm-hmm. right? To cover those margin calls, right? Because I, I was waiting on another cash out refi. So my CPA is like, dude, don't pay off your houses. Uh, interest rates are low. You know, you're doing great. Your stocks just stay with your stocks. So that's kind of how that happened. Interesting. So how long ago did you begin trading stocks? Okay. So I started, um, I want to say it was like late November, early December. Um, the, the one that's made me the most money right now is uh, TSMP, uh, Humble Pay. Uh, these guys, I started tracking them when they were at 15 cents. So I dollar cost averaged to 27 cents per share. My position right now is 1,060,000 shares and it was down a little bit today, but it's trading for about between 92 cents and a dollar, right? So it got as high as a dollar 93. Yeah. So the account jumped up to 2 million there for a little while. Uh, I'm not looking to sell anytime soon. This is one of those long term, uh, stocks that you keep for the rest of your life. So that's, that's the, uh, the game changer there. So you did not buy a stock until about four months ago, five months ago. Yeah. So you could say December of last year. And then, yeah. and then you, built up this portfolio to a million dollars in a few months? Yes, yes. So Trading. I'll tell you what I'll tell you what happened. So um I was here in Germany, right? And you know how it'll be whenever you watch um Netflix, they'll serve you up certain content content. Yep. So I put it on YouTube and they pitched me this DW documentary and it was essentially on the wealthy as Germans, right? So I'm watching this documentary. You know, they showed the the good old club, good old boy club. They're hanging out in their little private places and what have you. And anyway, the, the German guy goes home. He puts on Bloomberg and then he says, I could easily make 50,000 euro in one day. The lottery is boring. So I was like, man, I need to look into this. So that's what sparked my interest, right? And that's how it began. Interesting. So prior to last year, you had never bought a stock. That's crazy. That, that is correct. You've that been 100% correct. real estate until just yes. a few months ago. <laughs> yes, I was nuts. all about real estate. And again, you know, the the Choose Fi group, right? They kept preaching VT Sachs, VT Sachs, don't do individual stocks, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, man, you know what? It's really, you know, it's your your risk, your risk tolerance, right? So me being in the military and having spent five years in Afghanistan, you know, had some close calls. It's part of being there. I was like, okay, so I can take some equity out of my house. It's not doing anything, right? It's in the walls, not making me any money. Let me look into these stocks and here's the result. I kind of wish I would have done it sooner because it took me 10 years to basically double my real estate, right? Where, like you said, in two months, you know, I made what I've got in real estate and then some. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's been a wild ride, right? We've had, you know, all sorts of 
GameStop and all these stocks, right, that have just skyrocketed in a lot of ways. So at, at this point yes. with your strategy, I mean, is there temptation to just sell off the rest of your real estate and, and just, you know, I mean, you've done fairly well trading or are you moving more? Hey, I've won. I've got some quick wins here. I'm just going to move some of this money into long term, you know, buying holds in the market, stock, individual stocks. You mentioned that one that you have is a, is a more long term buy and hold strategy. Where do you, where do you kind of go from here with your strategy? So essentially, um, what I'll continue to do is just keep investing in the stock market and basically continue to research disruptive technology. I mean, the first play that I did was an EV battery stock, right? And it paid off. So what eventually what I'll do is maintain some of the, um, the investments in the stock market. And as the long term plays grow, take some of that cash, add to the uh, real estate portfolio, right? And then um, just kind of see where I'm at. Continue to assess the situation, talk to my my CPA mentors and kind of go from there, right? I mean, the situation has always changed, right? So, and my biggest thing is you just got to basically research and invest in the disruptive technologies, you know, fintech, the EVs, all of that stuff that's that's basically happening now, blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies, all of that, all of that is, uh, I mean, the time is now. I think, uh, the way things are positioned in, in Biden's, in the Biden administration are uh, conducive to adopting some of these, uh, technologies that are from some of the up and coming startups. Yeah, totally. So do you invest in crypto as well? Um, as a matter of fact, I bought, uh, Dogecoin today and some Digibyte. Okay. For my first yeah. time ever. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's yeah, t- today's a good day to buy, right? Things were dropping it like did, a rock. Good, good. Do you plan to put that in as, as a investment strategy and part of your portfolio going forward? Uh, I, absolutely. With uh, the, the company that I was telling you earlier about, TSMP, Tesoro Enterprises, they're going to become, they are basically Humble Pay. They have got, they've got a website, humblepay.com. I don't know if you heard of Brian Foote. They're calling him the Elon Musk of uh, blockchain technology. He's been at it for the last 10 years. Gensler, the Security and Exchange Commissioner, was his teacher at MIT for blockchain. So there's a lot of stuff out there. All you got to do is just connect the dots. And basically, the way things are positioned right now, I think this is going to be a huge year for uh, for this company. So let's switch switch gears here just a little bit. We talked a lot about the market investments, but you also have quite a substantial amount of portfolio in real estate. How did you get started in real estate? I know you mentioned buying these foreclosures. Why did you choose to go into real estate? And maybe kind of talk about that journey from buying that first deal to you know continuing yeah. to acquire some and, and get the cash flow because the the cash flow you have off these you know now is phenomenal. Right, right, right. So it was one of those things, right? Like every. Every war story star. So there I was. So there I was in Afghanistan. It was Thanksgiving, uh, 2010. And there was this fellow in front of me. We were waiting to have our uh, Thanksgiving meal. Uh, he turns around. He introduces himself. He's like, hey, I'm Mark Stroh's. Stroh's like the beer, right? So I never forgot his name. So he's like, yeah, I own 10 houses. I just paid for my kids' college in cash. I'm like, man, I want to be like Mark, right? So in 2010, the chatter on the news was home prices are historical lows and interest rates are historical lows. So I was like, man, it's time to invest in real estate. So that's how that happened. Basically, I, I started looking at foreclosures. I started off in Tucson. It kind of went from there. Why did, why did you choose Tucson? 
uh, because I lived there before and I've okay. got family there. Okay. Right? And yep, so makes basically, sense. you know, one of my mentors said, Hey man, if you're going to, you're going to jump into something, build your coffin in your own backyard. It's like, all right, dude, cool. Got it. So that's why I started there. And yep, makes sense. I've got, what is it? Four, four properties there. I got one on James Island, South Carolina. So really, you know, and you get the, the naysayers, oh, you're never going to rent them out, blah, blah, blah. But long story short, the longest vacancy I've had was probably two months, maybe two and a half months. Hmm. Do you have property management there locally? Yes. Yes. I've got a property manager in South Carolina and property manager, basically what you need, right? The property manager, real estate agent, the banker, painters, if you, if you want to do that, do the, the maintenance side of it. Yeah. Um, you basically, you just got to have those people in place, you know, and you're going to hear the horror stories. Are they going to mess up your house? Uh, you know what? I've got homeowner's insurance. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, there hasn't really been any situation uh, where I have not uh, came out ahead with either, you know, the appreciation of the property, the tax breaks. I mean, you, you will come out ahead if you buy at the right price in the right neighborhood. You should be OK. Yeah. How did you acquire the one in South Carolina? How'd that come about? Did you live there too? I did. I did. Okay. I lived out there for about 10 years. Uh, when I got out of the military in 2001, that, that's where uh, I got my first contracting job. Okay. So that's the former primary residence then? No, no. Oh, let me tell you about my former primary residence. So the I think this is one of the later questions that you asked about making mistakes. So I bought a condo in 2007 for 1275 I think yeah that was the appraisal price I paid 1125 for it literally within 2 to 3 months the housing bubble right so it went down to 40 grand I had remodeled it I was going to flip it it didn't happen so I wrote it out uh, I didn't do the short sale and I just sold it last year for around 110 so I made a little bit of money right sold it at a loss so they didn't have to pay any capital gains or anything, hmm. but that was my first bad real estate investment. Wow. So, yeah. It was just, you know, the timing, right? Yeah. Timing. Uh, the market recovered. It took 10 years, but it recovered. Yeah. Interesting. So the homes that, that you have, what you'll just give our listeners a, a little bit of a synopsis. What's roughly what they, what do they rent for and how long is your average tenant staying there? Okay. So, they normally they do a one year lease. They rent anywhere from thirteen hundred up to twenty five hundred based on the area and the square footage of the house. Yeah, that really as far as the turnover is not very high. Like I said, the longest vacancy I've had has been about two and a half months. So it goes back to the quality of house that you buy too. Yeah. And also as a as an owner, right, if, for example, in Arizona, it gets hot, right, 110, 120 degrees sometimes, your air conditioner is going to go out. Uh, you plan in the budget for that. And if the property manager calls you, says, hey, guess what? The air conditioning is out. We got the repair guy on the way. Can you put the, the tenants up in a hotel? Absolutely. They can stay there as long as they need to. Why? Because they're making that mortgage payment for me, right? So yeah, I'll get back a little because I'm going to write off that hotel stay that they're staying at, right? And they're going to be like, oh man, this guy takes care of his properties. You don't want to be a slumlord to say the least, right? Yeah, totally. But maintain your property. Awesome. So I want to ask, you know, you've built up this portfolio in the market super quickly. Your real estate portfolio is kind of rocking and rolling. As you make money and make more money, 
how do you think about where that each dollar goes to invest? Do you allocate some towards real estate? Do you allocate some towards staying in the market and buying a stock? How do you think about that? Right now, what I'm looking at is um, the long-term plays in in the market. And as that gets to a certain point, say my uh, my long-term play that basically if it gets to $10, I'm looking at $10 million. If it gets that high, what I would do is call the CPA and discuss with him what the best move is. Do I buy you know, a multifamily place? Uh, I would also discuss that with my property manager in Arizona. And basically, this guy, is it okay if I say his name, his company? or Yeah, whatever you want. I mean, it's so up to you. The company is, is Bancroft and Associates. And I've had a working relationship with them for about 10 years now. So I could call Glenn and ask him, hey, man, uh, should I buy commercial real estate? And he will basically say no because Amazon is killing a bunch of commercial real estate places. So that's a scenario that actually happened when I called him. So he basically said, hey, right now, stick to single family homes. Okay, we'll do that. Thanks. But yeah, that's what basically what I would do. Reach out to the guys that I work with already that I have that business relationship and discuss with them what is the best move, right? So uh, yeah, so I will I will continue on the real estate. And as the portfolio grows and there's more uh, more funds to play with, you know, kind of see what the professionals advise me to do and then go from there. Yeah, totally. Is 10 million, is that kind of the goal to get to? I think that's that's basically the, I can walk away from my job and then say, yeah, I can do other stuff now. But I, I don't know. I'm kind of like at the point where I don't know if I can really sit at home and there's only so much golfing you could do every day, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, man. Well, that's awesome. So I want to I want to get into some some rapid fire questions, but before we do, is there anything you know? I know you mentioned the mistake that that you made with that purchase, and some of that was timing. But is there any mistakes you've made or advice that that you would caution you know investors with, given that you've ramped up some of this so quickly in the market, and you know real estate, you've got quite the extensive experience. What age group do you want me to target? I mean, I don't know what your target audience. Yeah, any any age group yeah. really. I mean, maybe that okay, so twenty five or thirty year old just trying to get started would probably be best. Okay, so I'm glad you brought up the the uh, younger the younger guys. Number one, don't marry the wrong person. Uh, number two, protect your assets, right? And um, yeah, just um, do not be afraid to seek professionals, right? Like CPAs, property managers, real other real estate investors. Totally. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's great. So what's the uh, most expensive pair of pants you've ever purchased? Let's see. I don't go out and buy crazy designer stuff. Um, Say maybe 40 bucks, if that, 50 bucks for a pair of jeans. What about the most expensive pair of shoes? 90 euro in uh, in Sicily when I was there on a business trip. I bought two pair. The guy, uh, I talked him down 10, 10 euro, so I paid 90 90 euro per uh, pair of shoes. Nice. What about the most expensive uh, meal that you've paid for? I think I it was one of those tomahawk steaks. Uh, I think it, it was overrated. It was like maybe a hundred <laughs> bucks. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it again. Overrated. That's funny. Okay. Uh, what age were you when you became a millionaire? Uh, Forty-eight this year. Okay. Do you know what your annual household spending is? It's not much. I really don't look at it. I know it's kind of like, oh, you know, you should have a budget. Basically, with the cash flow that I have, okay, the expenses, 
rent's about $500. I have a, a car payment, 700 bucks. And let's see, child support, 642 bucks. And that's really, you know, like my uh, Starbucks. I do the filter coffee with a splash of coconut milk. Uh, that's $2.45. So lunch, about six bucks, maybe 10 bucks if I splurge. So yeah, not a whole lot. I mean, I don't. So you're living on maybe 30 grand a year? Probably, maybe even less than that. Because right now I can't really travel, right? So with my yeah. job, they basically, you know, when I travel, they get, you know, you get hotel, rent a car, meals, per diem. So really, I don't, I don't splurge. I don't have to. So not that I'm saying not to come across as, oh, this guy's stingy, you know, he's cheap. Yeah, I mean, right now I can't really travel. I'm in Europe, which is, is it's a beautiful place to be. Uh, it's a different vibe altogether. But yeah, when I when I do travel, you know, I might spend yeah maybe four or five hundred bucks on a weekend, mm-hmm. you know, hotel, eating out. But yeah, it's not it's not super. It's not you know overspending, if you will. Yeah, totally. considering where I'm at, right? Well, what's the most? And the ex- cash flow really offsets any of those expenses. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What's the most expensive uh, car you've ever purchased? I've got. A, uh, what is it, a 2020 BMW 530i, sticker price was like 62 grand. Here with the military program, they took like 15,000 right off the price. So that's like basically depreciation, right? So that's probably it. That's $48,000. That's a nice little ride, right? (laughs) Is that, is that what you, is that what you splurge on is the car? Yeah, basically the the 700 bucks a month. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the stock goes up and whenever the uh, the account hits over $2 2.2 million, all right, I'll drive my Beamer today. <laughs> <laughs> I like the seats, you know? Oh, that's seats, awesome. The, the heated steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, man. No, dude, you're yeah. freaking, you're a millionaire, dude. I, you don't got to apologize to me, man. You're you're buying $2.45 Starbucks yeah. and you're driving a BMW and you're worth a couple million With dollars. coconut milk. Yeah. Renting, renting for $500. I mean, hey, to each their own, man. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. What's been the range of, of annual income as much as you're comfortable sharing throughout your working life? Sure, sure. Um, I'm glad you asked. Uh, so as a kid, I had a paper route. So that was maybe 150 bucks a week, a month. Real salary started uh, when I got out of the military. That started at about 53000 This is in 2001. Uh, from there... Uh, the goal was to make 100 grand. That happened in 2004. Started making 150 G's. Uh, got divorced. Right. Ended up homeless, bankrupt, all that stuff. So I ended up taking a job as a trench digger for the phone company Bell South in South Carolina. Um, that was paying like 10 bucks an hour. And uh, Alvin Abernathy, he was a Vietnam vet, and he's like, "Hey man, if you made 100 grand without stealing it, you can make it again." So. Based on his advice and what he said, I was able to recover and get back into contracting. So that was uh, $9 with the phone company digging trenches. It went to 150000 doing satellite communications in the Middle East. And then I started working at a paint store. And just basically by meeting the right people, I met one of the biggest painters in Charleston, South Carolina, Don Metz. And come to find out, we had a link to uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana, the Joint Readiness Training Center out there, JRTC. 
because I came out of the back sweating. They didn't have air conditioning from stacking the uh, five-gallon buckets of paint. He's like, hey, man, you've been here a week. You're already running the register. He's like, well, what's up, man? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's hot back there, it's, but it's not as hot as JRTC. He's like, I was there. He's like, I'm going to call so-and-so. You need to be outside sales. So that eventually led to having my own business, met a uh, developer in Charleston, South Carolina. As a matter of fact, he's a politician now, real good guy, uh, William Cogswell. And you can you can Google him. Uh, Weka Construction was one of the was uh, one of his uh, development companies. But real great, real great guy. Uh, good mentor for me. So with him, he basically said, hey, I'm going to give you a jump start. He basically gave me a check for five thousand dollars. He's like, "Here, get your truck, get your license. I got you, right?" So, not even a year and a half later, I was sitting on a million dollars worth of contracts for drywall, uh, painting, concrete work, that kind of stuff. So, along the way, you meet the right people, you do the right thing, uh, things will work out for you. Yeah, no, that's awesome. What uh, what books or or products that that you use or utilize or would recommend? As far as the products. For real estate, I was checking out Bigger Pockets, right? Biggerpockets.com. I found out the other day that the actual, the real Wolf of Wall Street, right? The guy that started pushing penny stocks, uh, he read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I can accredit my mom's first house to that book. And I think I only read like two or three chapters out of that book. Choose five groups, stock twits, Wall Street bets. And most importantly, I would say invest in yourself. You know, maintain a positive mental attitude and continue to pursue your dreams, goals, and aspirations. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Just to, to wrap up here, you've got this goal out there, maybe 10 million. You say you'd finish, quit, work on your own stuff. Do you upgrade the Beamer when you do that? Do you buy a bigger <laughs> house? I mean, what, what does that vision look like when you get there? So I think it would actually be downsize uh, Belize. You know, go back to when I was a kid in California. You know, the first time I cut school, I went to the beach. I'm not recommending that your listeners do that. But <laughs> anyway, B- Belize looks nice. Um, I think that that's that's where it's going to be at. You know, water. I can fish, jet ski, uh, lounge around, drink margaritas, that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, appreciate you coming on the show today. Once again, that's Mr. Fig with a net worth of $1.9 million. Appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.